Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. Any volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noach Ayala trails? And units available in Tamaria near the Kinara for an 11-year-old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. Eight or seven is in the water with the boat. Backup units needed. Hi, welcome back to another uh, episode of Real Life Rescues. I'm Raphael. And I'm Dovia Mizel here with you again. And uh, today we're uh, unfortunately going to be talking about uh, riding the terror wave again. Uh, there's been a recent uh, rise in terror activity here in terror attacks here in Israel, even some that have been claimed that they've been inspired by ISIS. Um, and uh, it's unfortunately something, a reality which we have to deal with here is, as EMS responders. Uh, it affects us all. Um, both from a, just a attention level that we have on a day-to-day basis uh, as you know, knowing that you may have to at some point respond to a terror attack. Um, and then when I actually do it, when you, when you respond to one, um, how that affects us, how it affects the patient, what we have to do at the scene and what we have to be aware of, safety uh, issues, of course. And then how do we deal with it afterwards uh, for the first responders? Um, yep, we're ba- back at it again. Back at it again, unfortunately, dealing with the past two months of the war in Ukraine um, sort of uh, really took the focus in our discussions here. But unfortunately, on the ground, our uh, our uh, first responders are running from one attack to another of uh, multiple types. And we'll try and share a little bit of what's been going on here, um, get you guys in the driver's seat to, to feel uh, to feel what we've been uh, experiencing here with our volunteers on the scene, the first responders, we're talking about the past six weeks, approximately, since this yep. terror wave um, reignited, um, unfortunately. And then we'll uh, share a little bit about the impact on, uh, on 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 our professional skills on the one hand and on our emotional um, impact. And our emotional uh, health. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so this, this, the wave kind of all started with the attack in Beersheba, um, in which I think there were four people that were killed. Yeah, so Beersheba, there was a uh, a uh, it was an ISIS inspired attack uh, by a guy who uh, a terrorist that uh, went to a uh, shopping area, one of these strip malls, um, and it came out of a out of the car literally, and just uh, with a machete started uh, killing people uh, in cars and in a gas station, and and until he was. Put down by civilians that were uh, carrying, um, and he was neutralized, and and then, and then from there on into the into the protocol of of response to such a horrific attack. Five people uh, uh, lost their life. Four or five people lost their life in this in this attack, including the mother of a few children. Um, and 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 in Israel, I, I gotta say, um, it always becomes very very personal because we're such a small country. Uh, in such a small society, and everyone always knows somebody that knows somebody, right? Or knows someone who's directly affected. And 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 I'll, I'll maybe tie it in also because we're coming up to a Israel Memorial Day, um, and Israel Memorial Day uh, um, commemorates the memory of uh, the fallen soldiers from the IDF and those who have fallen, civilians who have fallen in in terror attacks in Israel. So this uh, this. And, and every year, 
we, we remember these people and, and we look at the numbers every year that are added and we say, wow, wow, the numbers just don't drop. And, and, and simply every year, more and more and more uh, people lose their lives to, uh, to those who just want to take away freedom. Yeah. And that's really what it's about. And there's no, you know, the, the terrorists sort of go in knowing that they're not going to be, uh, you know, changing society dramatically. But the idea is to create terror amongst the, the population that lives here. Um, and unfortunately, with that, they succeed. Uh, but, you know, we've thankfully built up a, a strong sense of resiliency here in Israel, um, along with all of our PTSDs that we have going with us pretty much. I think it was diagnosed once that 80% of the population is PTSD from something. So some sort of extent, yeah. And, us more, extent. and us more than everyone else. Yes. Because uh, we see it and do, deal with it firsthand. And that's one of the reasons we'll get to that a little bit later on in the podcast about how do we how do we care for one another and for ourselves uh, and for our families have to live with it uh, as well um, through that whole thing. So Beresheba was one. One of our, our one of the responders, I think, was there within a minute. Uh, yeah, he and, happened to be in the strip mall there shopping uh, he didn't even hear the call on the on the radio. He heard the, gun, he, he heard the, the gunshots screams. and he heard the screams of, of people and the mayhem going on and he immediately ran out. He got there as soon as the terrorist was detonated. Uh, um, neutralized. <laughs> neutralized. Well, detonated. <laughs> neutralized. I always apologize for my English. Um, you're right. English is my mother's tongue, not my mother tongue. So yeah. you'll you'll forgive me. Um, and, and immediately, you know, started uh, doing it, triage there and treating the patients. Um, I think also that, uh, I think I was giving, I was interviewed on another podcast, uh, just a couple of days ago, um, um, looking back at, uh, now, uh, marking the 20 years to the, to the big terror waves that we were undergoing here, uh, um, in the second intifada, in the second intifada, yeah. uh, at the beginning of the two thousands, between 2000 and 2003, when, um, every day. Buses were blowing up here. Markets were being blown up. Suicide bombers were running into hotels and every day. themselves up. Um, and we're talking about incidents on scale of, of uh, 15, 20, 25 people killed in every incident with hundreds of people injured. And, 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 and I was talking, they brought me as one of the dinosaur paramedics um, that was operating back in the day then. And, and, and I, I, I really, what I said there, I said, thank God that we're not dealing with that sort of terror on scale. And, and I look at the younger generation today of, of, of paramedics and EMTs, first responders on the street, you know, responding to these terror attacks, which are terrible. And, and I can hardly even explain to them what the things were that we were going through years ago. Nonetheless, um, responding to an, an incident like this is... Is very stressful, um, especially when there are the hot weapons involved, guns, uh, gunshot wounds, etc. And we'll talk about those in some of the other terror attacks that we've experienced here over the past um, several weeks. Um, and even responding under live fire, we had we had situations where some of our volunteers arrived so quickly at the scene yeah. that the, the terrorist hasn't even been neutralized yet, or multiple terrorists in one incident. Yes. Um, and then how that affects them as well. They're, they're treating a patient, but they're shooting going on behind them. Yeah. And, th and that maybe goes back to the episodes we were talking about, you know, uh, um, being EMS uh, responders in a, uh, in a military style, uh, arena, a yeah. lot, of, a lot of resemblance. And, and, and I think it really is, uh, has been important for us 
in in the past year we've been we dealt with a number of MCIs. We had the the we're coming up to a uh, to a, 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 a the first unfortunate anniversary of the crowd crush in Miron and Miron that they resulted yeah, just, in forty five yeah. people who were killed that just passed. And and we really made it important for us this year to focus on mass casualty incident training. And we've conducted a number of large-scale um, exercises, drills, MCI drills of different types, be it a terror style, be it a, a motor vehicle accident with a, with hazardous materials yeah. um, a, in, in involving buses and trucks, uh, be it um, a collapse of, of buildings, uh, you know, going back to look at what happened in the Champlain Towers in Miami, um, and 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 we really want to, f- and, I, and I think that looking at these past um, several weeks, I think it, it, it really it, it worked. What we've been doing has really been uh, soaking in to the first responders because we're seeing the the operations in the field um, on a much higher level, on a much higher level. Very much so. Um, that said, we're being challenged with interesting cases, and l- let's share some of those maybe. Okay. So we spoke a little bit about the Mersheva incident where. The first responder was in the mall when the attack happened and, and rushed out uh, and started treating it. But that was a scene that, once he was there, was already a, a safe scene. It was a scene that had ended. Um, it was localized in, it was one localized in one area. Spot. Right. Uh, then they moved on. We moved on to the next one, which was a few days after that, uh, which took place in Hadera. Hadera is a northern shore city um, on, the, on the shore of the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sea. Um, and it's the evening hours when two, uh, terrorists, um, that, uh, left their, uh, videos and, uh, and, uh, memoirs of, uh, of the mission coming from ISIS, um, dressed up, uh, like ISIS carrying a lot of ISIS symbols, uh, uh came into a uh, Hadera on an evening hour by the, not far from the promenade of the, of the, uh, restaurants and, yeah. and and business center of Hadera uh, pulled out their automatic weapons and and started shooting shooting yeah. uh, they're shooting both at the promenade and on the road which is a major thoroughfare uh, across from the promenade uh, at one point there was uh, they they killed somebody and then they took that person's weapon they killed two police officers they killed two police officers grabbed their automatic weapons from them and and, and went on on their uh, attempted killing. Uh, uh, spree, spree. When uh, where, where I say you know in a little bit of a sarcastic uh, way is uh, we, we we got lucky, yeah. Because in the restaurant that was right there was a platoon of uh, of uh, special forces that were having a, a unit, uh, not a platoon, it was a unit uh, that were that were there having dinner, um, just uh, off duty, and they all came out within seconds. And, and and stop the killing spree. Right. And it's one of those moments where, where you really have, you, you recognize that there, I guess there's a little bit of a, of a hand sort of making sure that nothing's really um, uh, by chance that in those situations, um, what does Ben Gurion say? Or maybe just getting lucky. Or maybe just, <laughs> <laughs> I like with what Ben Gurion said, that if you don't believe in miracles, then you're not a realist in this country. Um, but that certainly was one. Um, and the the response then, of course, also very quick from our teams. They responded very quickly. Um, Swift response. Unfortunately, there was not uh, uh, much to do with those who were who were DOA'd on the scene. They were uh, 
had declared, but there were others that were uh, uh, injured in different a variety of uh, of, uh, of injuries from uh, um, obviously all, gunshot all gunshot wounds, right. all gunshot wounds from uh, uh, upper torso, lower torso, extremities, etc. And 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 people unfortunately were already uh, with their mindset of having their tourniquets in their uh, in their vest pocket and having the you know the the chest seals and and, and whatever it is and and, right. and within seconds. Literally, I'm talking maybe two, three minutes. There were no um, um, victims on scene anymore. They were all in transport to the nearby hospital. And, and There's a hospital in Khadr, and they, they, the ambulance teams got there very quickly, as is our volunteers. They treated them at the scene and then quick, quickly took them to the, the hospital. So there was no uh, thing. I don't think there were any secondary casualties that uh, passed away later. They all received the treatment. Quickly, yeah, I think, I think there's something very unique also about uh, the way. Um, maybe it's part of the building the resilience of Israeli society here, and, and not get uh, um, uh, what's the word for it in English? Uh, um, not drown and 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 dwell in the incident, and maybe it's to prevent that uh, public post trauma. Maybe it's to to try to get business back to usual as fast as possible clean up the scene, open the road as fast as possible, let the city get back to normal, uh, where your human response would be, no, leave the street closed, and, 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 you know, people will be investigating for hours and hours and hours here. You've got the CSI um, on the scene and off the scene within less than an hour, the, the road is back open already. Yeah. The street is open, and, and, and they try to get business back to usual as soon as possible. And 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 try to put this behind us to get um, the society back to normal, get it back to normal. Because if people, the, what's the purpose? Uh, Rafael, you mentioned it. The definition of terrorism is to instill terror in people, and 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 because they know the terrorists that they won't be able to kill all of the people, but if they're able to instill fear and terror in people that they won't want to leave their homes, won't want to go out to restaurants. Then, then, uh, then that's the winning, winning of the mission, and and yeah. the, uh, and if they succeed in shutting down society for for a certain amount of time, uh, that's also a problem. Um, and then, in a, in a from a mental health perspective, um, you know, it, even the basic principles of of mental health training we receive, uh, they talk about the issue of uh, sort of like bridging the gap that there's the traumatic incident that takes place. Um, and what the what causes the acute stress reaction, which later can develop into an acute stress disorder, and and if not treated, then go into PTSD, uh, is the inability of the person to move on from the incident and, and ends up being caught in that moment. Uh, if we can help the person sort of process the incident um, in a way where it won't cause them to have a, a, a de- sort of be detached from the regular everyday life, but they can process it as part of their experience, um, then it's something that they can move on from and prevent, hopefully, an acute stress reaction, uh, which then can later prevent uh, onward PTSD. It's a lesson, unfortunately, we've learned the hard way, um, but as a society, they've started picking it up. And that's one of the reasons why um, both the security forces and the EMS forces uh, try and process these scenes as quickly as possible. Um, so as to prevent that uh, incident from becoming uh, sort of a point in time where, uh, as as a society, we can't move on from. Um, but obviously, we also want to deal with the individuals and and treat them at the scene, and both those injured uh, as well as those affected by it from a mental health perspective as well. Those who witnessed it, 
uh, and go into shock. And we had those at every single one of these incidents. And our I think it, com- it comes with it. It comes with yep. the territory. What we didn't have 20 years ago is a psychotrauma team, which we find instrumental on so many levels, not only to bystanders who uh, who uh, witnessed these uh, these incidents, but even to the to the first responders, law enforcement, and 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 the EMS services um, that, that arrive on the scene. Um, sometimes at very early in the game, especially when we're talking about law enforcement, which uh, um, end the the attack. Um, uh, today are much more open to receiving um, this uh, this initial uh, intervention right. of the psychotrauma unit. And it's like you were saying before, the, the drills which we're doing, which are always in coordination with security forces, the scenes, have made an impact. Uh, and because we work together with them in these drills and we can collaborate with both the upper echelons of their... Um, of their staff who were giving out the directives and say, yes, you know, we can work together. We know how to work together now because we've worked on the drills uh, as well as the officers um, and the rest of the security forces on the scene. They've been exposed to us. We've been exposed to them. And we there's there's a partnership that builds up, which has been uh, instrumental in one of the scenes that we're going to, one of the stories we're going to be talking about in a few minutes. Um, let's go back into, I think, into order here. Um, after the Khadera attack, it was the B'nai Brak attack. B'nai Brak. So, First of all, let me tell you a little bit of Bnei Brak. Bnei Brak is a uh, ultra is a Jewish ultra orthodox city um, uh, just next to Tel Aviv. It happens to be one of the most densely populated cities in the Middle East um, uh, per capita, um, and it's a very low income city, um, and it's a lot of tight, tight, tiny, small streets and alleys. And what happened uh, on, on that night? was a uh, terrorist carrying a uh, automatic weapon and a backpack full of uh, grenades and uh, magazines. Um, got off of a car and started running through the side alleys of, a, of, of one of parts of the city and started shooting uh, um, pedestrians and individuals that were just walking down the street and minding their own business at the end of the day. Um, and he started running between streets and, and it created a multiple scene incident, meaning when civilians started calling in about the emergency, each one was giving another address and it created a very chaotic uh, scene and a, a great difficulty for the emergency services to understand where this incident is occurring and when dispatching volunteers and 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 first responders from all of the different agencies, um, it really sort of had people running everywhere because you had people um, lying on the on the on the different streets of these side roads, um, gunshot wounds, some of them critically uh, injured, some of them um, uh, unfortunately already that were killed, um, and actually the the incident came to a stop when a uh, special uh, police force motorcycle manned by uh, two uh, special forces policemen um, chased uh, came into one of the alleys and came face to face with the with the terrorist so, so as soon as they identified him he opened fire towards the the police motorcycle killing the driver on the scene the motorcycle fell over the second policeman immediately jumped off while it was falling and this was unbelievable footage coming from their uh from their dash cam. On their uh, on their uh, their body cam, sorry, body not cams. a dash cam, yeah. from their body cam, and the second police officer uh, immediately 
uh, terminated the the terrorist on scene. And from there, it was started to create the picture of where what what the trail was through the back roads and 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 alleys uh, to get to all of the victims. There were a total of five people uh, killed in this incident, with about another dozen that were injured, and and um, it was it was actually two of them were were literally like execution style. These were two Ukrainian uh, um, refugees. Refugees that Which were came to us that Israel just the week came before. to Israel the week before. And that were that touched sitting. me personally on a level because we we were in Moldova while that was happening, but uh, it, it was it was a, a, such a personal thing because we we were in, I don't know if we had brought those specific refugees on our, one of our planes. Whatever but, they came and they were just sitting outside one of these um, you know and, uh, convenience right. stores having a beer. Yeah, um, and, and they came and, to be safe from a war, and, and they were both executed it, um, in in front of the store. Yeah, for me, that that really hit home. I think. I mean, these are all tragic instances, but for that, for me, like that really made me stop and think for a while. And I actually needed to talk to somebody about that after a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, from I mean, my mental today, today, now we're day and age with social media and every phone being a uh, a media hub. Yeah. The amount of footage that comes out from people taking videos from their own phones, from their homes, from outside their windows, from on the street of these incidents, we can learn so much as responders also, how to prepare, how to um, how to respond better. Um, and, and not only that, but in the debrief, debrief afterwards, we can, we can learn much better on what we did and what we can do better right. for the next. And we actually learn during the scene. Uh, there, were, there was instances, I think in the, in the, the next attack we're going to talk about it was in Tel Aviv, uh, where we actually used footage during the actual scene that people were putting up online on different uh, social networks to locate where where some of the terrorists were hiding out. Um, yeah, well, 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 that, that's that's very interesting. But I'll just wrap up uh, with Benay Brock first and say that the um, beyond the the five people that were killed and 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 dozen that were injured, because the city is such a densely populated area and the gunshots throughout the the these little side roads and alleys that echoed all over the hysteria yeah um uh that that hit the city was unbelievable can't even explain and, and there's also a phenomenon here in Israel at least and i i think it really goes global is that once there's a, some sort of terror attack immediately Calls start coming in from all over the city of different areas. Anything that looks suspect, any flat tire, anything is immediately called out as another attack. And we suddenly see like a chain of a response to a number of attacks until those are ruled out. Right. Which involves someone going to the scene and checking it out, which is also why the community-based responders come in. A lot of in, someone's. A lot of someone's. <laughs> which is why the community-based responders model has been very effective in that thing. Um, I actually just looked it up on Wikipedia, according to the article on Wikipedia that talks about B'nai B'rak, it's one of the most densely populated cities in the world. Oh, I stand correct. No, you are correct, 100%. Um, and to put it into perspective, it's one of the things listed in the top 10. The, um, the, but you're saying there was a, each one had to be ruled out, and there was one instance where the first responder at the scene was at B'nai B'rak, was treating one of the injured, a uh, person who unfortunately later passed away, uh, didn't make it to the hospital even, but they started performing CPR on them. They were riding a bicycle. And the call came out that the terrorist was a little bit further away, um, but the incident happened. Uh, a person saw the one of the injured people and called someone from their balcony, saw the person lying on the floor, 
called dispatch. I heard the recording afterwards. And someone on their bicycle, one of our responders on their bicycle went to go start treating him. And it was still live fire from the terrorist who was still active at the scene. Um, and also a miracle that, you know, our first responder when it got out of that, okay. Um, in but general, went, in all of these cases, I'm saying we've had more luck than brains when it comes to um, safety. And, and and we always talk about this, sorry for cutting you off, but I, I think the issue of safety, and this might be a very different mentality here, um, where in other places, until the scenes aren't cleared by police, by bomb squad, by whoever, nobody enters here, we we take a calculated risk, call it that way. Uh, we don't wait until the scenes are totally clear. We gear up with protective gear and whatever. And if there are life-threatening situations, we find it's not protocol. Protocol is always wait till the scene is scenes cleared. But when we see someone who's dying, we can't hold back. Yeah. And especially if we know we can we can offer help, which in this case they did. Um, like I said, unfortunately, the person passed away anyways, but the the responder was there very quickly. He checked to see if the scene was safe. The, his immediate vicinity was safe, um, but the, the terrorist had moved on to the next scene, uh, which is where his luck came involved. Um, and the response was, was incredibly quick there as well uh, to all the different scenes that were happening. So if we want to talk about complicated scenes, <laughs> why don't we go for the... Do you want to do, you want to do the, in order or do you go for the next complicated one? Because no, in order was Gishetzion. Oh, okay. So we'll go lower scale. Okay. We'll go lower scale. Yeah. We'll dip down for We're a categorizing bit. here the, the action that... that, that Although it's still pretty complicated. Here. It was it was pretty complicated in the beginning. It's actually, uh, it's, an, it's, it's an interesting call because it's it's a, like an impossible situation. Yes. And to see how people react and it was, in it was an impossible situation. The luck or miracle that you want to say was that someone on, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll start at the beginning. A well, person, a person you got on a bus. tell the whole story because you were there. I was there. A um, person got on a bus. Uh, and like every other day, people get on a bus. And person looked a little bit nervous. So the driver started getting nervous. And someone kind of like questioned it. One of the passengers questioned it from the back and between before the bus had gotten to the next stop, the guy pulled out a knife and started stabbing people on the bus. He tried to attack the driver. The driver pushed him off. He ended up getting the person in the front seat. And because of the hesitation or the, the call out that happened in the beginning, um, someone who was on the bus who was carrying a weapon, a civilian, uh, actually neutralized the terrorist still on the bus before it made it to the next stop. Um, and that was incredibly lucky or miracle, whichever way you want to call it. Uh, and we got the call out going is going on the first stop where the bus had picked up the terrorist, uh, unbeknownst to them that it was a terrorist. And then the uh, that's where the original emergency went out. So the first responders went to that location. Um, I had been coming from the other direction to get to that location. And then they responded saying, no, the bus is now stopped at the next intersection forward, uh, northward, which was the direction I was coming from. Um, and we intercepted. Uh, the first responder at the scene was in a car right behind the bus. He happened to be driving his own car. Um, and when we got the alert, he saw the bus stop and pull over and saw the action. He got out, opened the driver, opened the door, and the driver ran out of the bus. The driver was freaking out. The terrorists had been neutralized and the threat was gone. All the passengers started opening up both doors. And what ended up happening was the, the responder went onto the bus. All the people were coming off. Um, and the responders started to get on the bus and start treating the person on the bus. More responders came um, and we got the person off the bus. We treated them at the scene uh, for the injuries, sent them off to the hospital. This is a story with, uh, I guess, a positive ending, if it's a negative beginning. Uh, the person survived. 
um, and was been released from hospital a few days later, uh, thanks to the treatment he received at the scene. Uh, stabbed in the upper torso, two stab wounds. Um, because of the response was so quick from the person on the bus who neutralized the terrorist and from the fact that there was an EMT right behind the bus, um, was able to save this man's life. Uh, at the scene, when I arrived, there was a number of responders already treating the the person who had been injured. Um, I focused mainly on providing uh, psychological first aid to the driver, uh, as well as a number of uh, young women who were on the bus who had gone into a state of shock, uh, having witnessed the incident and hurting the gunshot so close to them because it was on a closed bus um, that the whole thing took place. Um, and we treated them at the scene and then also passed them off to local social services who then took them together on the ambulance uh, with our teams uh, to the hospital and provided care for them there as well. Um, it was a little bit complicated, um, but thankfully things ended relatively quickly and more people weren't uh, injured or killed. Um, and that's another thing we have to take into effect and we're, we're uh, taking into account when we're talking about these things uh, is that is the, the speed at how quickly these things develop and then also stop. Um, not always. In most cases. Not, not always. always. Let's talk Hollywood. And next, <laughs> then we can talk Hollywood, which is the next one that took place. Uh, which took place in Tel Aviv. Be, be, being, being sarcastic here on Hollywood, but I, I would say when we uh, debriefed this Tel Aviv event, um, it really, really, I think what every single responder was uh, um, um, explaining how they felt it was like being inside a Hollywood set movie. Uh, we're talking about a Thursday night. Thursday night in, in Israel is the weekend night. Right, it's, it's kind of like Friday. Saturday night. It's like Saturday night, or yeah. Friday night. Because uh, here uh, in Israel, we don't have Sunday, we have Friday. Um, and the bars are full in Tel Aviv, and a, uh, a terrorist uh, comes up to a bar strip um, and just starts shooting from a, uh, from a gun, from a pistol, um, and all over. And because the bars are full, it's direct hits. Every single bullet hit a person there. Um, and then he takes off. He starts running, shooting down the street. Unfortunately, there were no civilians there or policemen that uh, that could um, neutralize him. Neutralize him. So immediately, obviously, first responders immediately coming to the scene, uh, which was reported as a mass casualty incident. At this point, um, there weren't that many people uh, uh, hit at that point. There were maybe I think it was a total of uh, seven seven people who uh, who uh, were hit by uh, gunshot wounds. Um, some of them critically, uh, critically injured, and uh, three of them passed away afterwards in the ORs. Um, and what happened from here was basically uh, started a manhunt, manhunt uh, for this terrorist throughout Tel Aviv. We're talking about special forces, thousands of policemen, uh, special units from the from the IDF um, and 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 SWAT teams and whatnot swarming through the city, um, and. Anyone who looked suspicious was literally put down, basically. And the volunteers, uh, the first responders with motorcycles, for example, uh, were, were used by the police. It was totally surreal to see special forces of police jumping on these motorcycles behind the medic and telling them, drive. And this is something that we have never, ever, ever experienced before. You know, we're medical we're focused on life saving. We're focused on on, on on patients, and suddenly we find ourselves 
and our and our uh, EMTs and medics find themselves as being tools, uh, you know, like from the Hollywood movie of the policeman stopping a car and they jump in and and and, and say drive, and, and and this is what dozens of our volunteers experienced, which was totally surreal. Now because they didn't know where this terrorist was and they're they're on the manhunt, people were getting locked up in their houses, and 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 SWAT teams were were swarming over buildings. This was one of the most surreal surreal events I think that we've experienced here over, over the years. Now, I, I think that there's something that's to be said about, um, and not to mention what this caused uh, the panic on a city level. And we're talking about the biggest metropolis of Israel, Tel Aviv area, Thursday night, um, a, a city frantic. Yeah. And you were mentioning before that the, the the SWAT teams and the special forces jumped on our, jumped on the ambicycles of the volunteers. Um, they have their own motorcycles, and they were all, also being affected uh, and used. Um, but the the what they were trying to do is create a grid pattern of like where to search for the perpetrator uh, and and for the the terrorist. And they basically used every vehicle they could find uh, that was fast that was able to get them to places where they needed to go. And because we've worked with them together on previous drills and, and instances. Um, we never exercised this. We never exercised this. Maybe we should. <laughs> it should be our next drill incident. Um, and then uh, the volunteers were, were comfortable enough to go do this. Uh, and they, they were driving around with an armed police officer right behind them uh, at any moment needing to stop and you know either shoot or search a building or uh, cordon off an area. It really, it really caused an internal conflict. For a lot of volunteers, um, because we're we're in tune for saving lives, and not and not uh, security, correct? Um, uh, um, action, put it that way. So it really uh, raised discussion afterwards, post uh, post event, and what happens if something like this happens again? Do we take part in something like this? Do we not? Can the police just take over and and, and tell us what to do? It really created an internal debate. Because being a, a EMS organization, we are apolitical. We are uh, we're not uh, we're non governmental. Also, we're non governmental. We're not security related. We are you know uh, carrying the, the 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 white flag, or should we say the orange flag here? But the white flag that are neutral. And suddenly we were we were pulled into a situation that put us in a uh, an internal conflict. Now, obviously, during action we did it, but post a post event, it really created an internal debate here. On, on, are we entitled? Are we allowed to even uh, take part in this role? And, and what's and, the proper protocol going forward? Yeah, so. yeah. And, and by the way, we're looking like, like I say, about a terror wave, um, and and a lot has to do also with social media. I gotta maybe point this out because it's right. uh, it's. Um, I think it's maybe we should called... get to that towards once we finish this okay. the scene thing. So in Tel Aviv, the the terrorist ended up holding himself up in inside an, uh, an apartment building. Um, for they actually managed to neutralize him. Um, and the area around that apartment building, there was obviously a perimeter put up by security forces. Uh, once they discovered where he was, um, you're mentioning social media, and I mentioned also earlier, they found, to the best of my knowledge, it was found because people were reporting this on social media, yeah, and this yeah. is where the shooting's coming for from. Sure. Um, and it, it, it's all intricate and very, um, uh, connected. The world, like you're saying before, is very, very connected. Never everything immediately people know what's going on. News articles have been going out about the activity. The the attack had extended over well over an hour. I think it was even almost two. 
Um, it was actually neutralized only at five in the morning. It took it took almost seven hours. It took seven hours until they tracked him down, and then in the shootout with SWAT team, he was uh, he was taken out. Yeah. Um, and that whole block was was under you know terror panic because um, they weren't allowed to leave, but there was a terrorist in the building. Um, and it caused a lot of frustration. Uh, some of our team members stayed until the very end of the of the situation developed um, just to provide coverage if anyone else should be injured throughout the remainder of the uh, incident. Um, and thankfully, most of it was, I wouldn't say localized because it took place. He started in the bar and then through the manhunt, he kept continuing to, to shoot in other locations. And we ended up with people who fled from wherever they were and ended up in other places injured. Um, the incident took place in Dizengoff, which is a central, central street in the city. And we had people as far as, as the port in the north uh, showing up injured because they were getting as far they away as they could. They just ran and ran and ran. Um, so the incident uh, developed and, and uh, continued to uh, develop into different instances and in incidents in different locations. Um, and our responders were adaptable uh, and improvised as best they could in order to provide a response anywhere that was necessary. Well, because unfortunately, incidents like these don't read the textbook. They don't read the textbook of response, and we need to uh, keep a keep keep our minds open uh, for change on the go. Yeah, and then, like you said, afterwards we have to discuss what was the best protocol to do going forward. Should something like this, God forbid, happen again, uh, how do we deal with it, and how do we deal with it in a proper way that's not only maintaining the safety for our providers, but also answering the needs of the moment. Um, in this instance. Like I said, we allowed the police officers to come on the motorcycles, but maybe we should rethink that. And how do we rethink that? How do we adapt to a situation where that develops? Um, but yeah, your I think your uh, uh, comment that is similar to a Hollywood movie, it certainly felt that way for a lot of the responders themselves. Yeah, just running around the city with, I mean, a million law enforcement professionals uh, with uh, waving their guns and 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 aiming with snipers at rooftops, and and it really was. One of those scenes that is is surreal. Yeah, it's just surreal. Now we're running out of time. You wanted to talk about social media, and I think we should also um, discuss uh, the emotional uh, effects, or maybe we can do that in a different uh, episode. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll just mention one thing: is why we see um, these waves of uh, terrorism, and especially what what distinctifies um, these terror waves as opposed to ones of twenty years ago which were very well coordinated by large terror organizations. Here really is inspiration, um, uh, inspirational attacks, uh, whereas uh, TikTok and, and Instagram and Reels and, and, and I don't know what other uh, means that are shown out there um, inspire other individuals, terrorists that are not necessarily related to an organiz- a terror organization and are pre planned, but decide just to, they, they see these videos and, and, and they're upset about one political situation or another, and, and they just get up and do it. And, and it doesn't require any pre-planning. Uh, they, they might be driving their car, and they'll see a, a law enforcement officer and decide just to, to instantaneously run him over, and there you have a terror attack. It's something you can't even, even prepare yourself for or even know how to, to... These people don't necessarily have criminal records. These people, afterwards, when digging up in their social media um, and profiles and things, you might find... 
things, but but not necessarily be identifiable before right. before action. That's and and, and, and then, like and, there's no red flags necessarily going on beforehand, and therefore it makes it really really even more complicated to you know to for for us as as a society to prepare for these things. So we really need to just keep training again and again and again and and modifying our protocols to respond as best as we can to and as quick get as these, we can these events wrapped up as fast as possible with minimal loss of life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we touch upon the idea of uh, providing emotional care for both the provider, the responders, and the those involved in the scenes afterwards for a few well, minutes? Or yeah, I, I think we've mentioned this before, but it's always great to bring it up again because now we're day and age. Um, I mean, myself as a, a someone who suffers from post trauma of those terror attacks twenty years ago, um, I, I, I can say that that we're in a different day and age, and the awareness that we have. As a, as managers today, um, and, and the awareness and the ex, be, what's the word for it? It's acceptable. It's accepting today. Uh, back in the day, we were all macho. Nobody would get. Um, uh, uh, we'd never go to the shrink after an incident. We'd go out and have a great meal, um, uh, and, and move on. But we see how it catches up after many years, and I think today that the awareness and the acceptanceness of this is that after every incident like this, we immediately gather everyone who participated, every one of the first responders who participated in the response to this attack, and immediately our psych unit, our psychotrauma unit, immediately intervenes and starts working with them, uh, briefing their venting, everything, and knowing how to point out those who might need additional support. Um, and, and we find that in the, in the past few years, since we started implementing this, the outcome is tremendous. The outcome right. is tremendous. We, we see that that it it, it it affects on a positive way. It, it affects the ability of our first responders to prevent the burnout and prevent uh, um, collateral damage in their families, in their workplace, and, and in other places um, just by knowing to catch this immediately. We don't wait. If it was on Thursday night, so Saturday night already, I don't know, a hundred volunteers, our, our EMTs, paramedics, doctors are all gathered in different groups. In debriefs and, and, and talk debrief. with some uh, emotional health professionals who are also part of the organization and who also responded to the incident themselves and provided treatment at the scene for uh, the eyewitnesses, for the family members, for those who were injured but not killed and need support uh, from a psychological first aid perspective. Um, they're at the scenes too. And they're also then at that debrief uh, getting support from people as well. Um, everyone also receives a phone call yeah. um, or a text message saying, you know, I know you're at the scene from, we have an internal psychological first uh, aid intervention group uh, who's responsible for contacting each of the volunteers. And, and we saying, try to make it mandatory to come yeah. for a, uh, for a venting session. Um, and, and it's simply, it's a great opportunity to reach out here to all of our colleagues and all of our listeners from uh, from uh, around the world, U.S. and everywhere else, that to understand that we can't be macho anymore. Those days are gone. We got to deal with this in order to prevent the the future damages of this. Right, and the onset of PTSD in each of us, and care for our own mental health because it's a it's a burden we bear. We witness things that are shocking, um, and that are very very traumatizing to us as responders. Um, and yes, we build thick skins, and yes, we build resiliency, and that's good. Um, but at the same time, we can't let that take a toll on us uh, and cause... There is uh, no way, there is no way that those who are constantly running in the wrong direction, running into fire, um, uh, where everybody running from, 
won't uh, won't take a burden, and and that's why it's so important, right. so important to, to to put out that fire immediately. Absolutely, and just as as you do in a literal fire, just we do in a, in a situation where we stop the bleed and we stop the hemorrhaging from taking place, we have to do that at an emotional, mental health level as well. And it's not something to be shy about. It's not something to be uh, scared of. Um, we've seen the statistics that EMS has the highest level of emergency service responders, suicide of any of the major systems of the, for police, fire, and, and EMS. Um, we take a lot. And don't, don't be shy about getting help uh, within your system, outside your system, uh, with your provider or external uh, either way, uh, after a traumatic scene, it's highly encouraged. It's something we've put into protocol here, um, and we strongly recommend that it's being used otherwise. It's made a huge difference for us, especially after MCI's mass casualty incidents. Uh, Mayron was was a huge one last year. People are still having difficulty getting over it and coming back now that we're coming up to uh, uh, the annual, I guess, the, the anniversary Memorial Day uh, of the <laughs> memorial of of that incident. Uh, it's bringing up those feelings again for a lot of people. Um, and it's something which we process, we process together as in a group, uh, so that we have an internal support team as well. And like I said, the debriefs which take place, which are, which are mandatory afterwards are done in a group of all the responders who are there. People can share the ways that they are coping with it, help each other cope, build already a support network of the other volunteers who understand what we're going through, who understand the situation because they were there with you and we build relationships together. That's all the time we have. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys. Stay safe out there. And we hope our next topic is a happier one. We'll work on it. And that we can stop riding this wave of uh, terror. Maybe we'll talk about babies being delivered. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks <laughs> again.